Mari Forth. I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. Subscribe to our feed. Rob has a website.com forward slash crime feed to get your true crime on Tuesdays. And we drop on the main feed on Wednesdays. So Mari, what are we talking about today? So let's open today's file. We watched the series Web of Make-Believe, Death, Lies, and the Internet. It's a six-part series from Netflix directed by Brian Kappenberger. Uh, it, <laughs> I think I said that right. It focuses on five stories of crimes on the internet. We're going to examine episode one, Death by SWAT. And to discuss it, we have the perfect guest with us, an actor, playwright, Twitch streamer, and podcast host who fights for the liberation of all people, Brooklyn Zed. Zed. Hello. Hi. Yes. I think you brought me in to talk about video games, but I'm excited to yell about the police. Yes. Added bonus. Added bonus. Yeah. Come for the video games. Stay for the protesting of police brutality, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Zed. Like, we've been having, it's been in the works to have you on for a while. And I am excited. Like, this, this will be an interesting property to talk about. So I can't wait to get your, your gamer knowledge on about this. But um, can you tell us, like, your true crime origin story? Like, what, draws you to true crime are you a true crime like man i am not a huge true crime person i'm interested in history and things that like shape society so i'm interested in it from that regard uh as with the recommendation that i mentioned that we'll talk about later um i'm really curious how people move around in like where laws come from and why we decide that we should or should not follow them. I think that's a very uh, relevant idea right now. (laughs) Right now. Um, (laughs) You know, what is crime versus what is harm is something that I think about a lot. Uh, So that is probably my, my biggest interest in, in what we're talking about today. I love that. I I, I love that. Wow. And it, and it makes sense. It's like, True crime is normally the end of a story, especially if it, if it's ending somebody's life. But can it be, you know, we think, think about all the true crime stories that then went on to, um, change laws. We talked about it on our father, you know, there's, there's multiple examples of, of stuff happening and people then using it to further to like, uh, make laws to make people safer. So that's, that's a, a great point. And, and we're so glad to have you on for that. Oh, yeah, that's so insightful because, in fact, this uh, case that we're going to talk about today with this episode also changed the law. So good going. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about the crime. So the crime is on December 28, 2017 in Wichita, Kansas. A SWAT team is sent to the home of the Finches after a call to 911 where the person on the phone claimed to be a young man who had just shot his father um, and that he was at that address. 28-year-old Andrew Finch comes comes to the door and is shot and after lying untouched with no medical attention for about 15 to 20 minutes, he dies. The 911 call was a hoax um, from caller Tyler Barris. He was engaging in an activity called swatting, where gamers make hoax calls to get SWAT teams to go to Target's houses. In this case, it was the wrong address. The officer who shot Andrew, um, he was identified in this episode as being Justin Rapp, who already had a dozen excessive force reports on him. Unfortunately, um, so far, he's only been uh, ever given a slap on the wrist. Uh, he did not lose his job. And um, the police department ruled it a justifiable killing. We'll get into more about that later. Uh, however, Tyler Barris, who made the hoax call, was sentenced to 20 years. Uh, Casey Viner, who uh, had Tyler make the call, served 15 months in prison and two years of uh, community service, while Jane Gaskill, who was the intended target of the swatting uh, and who was the person who gave the wrong address, uh, had to pay $1,000 in restitution. And more on him, more on him later, because I've got some updates for us. I'm hot off the press. Oh, interesting. Okay. Hmm. 
Andrew's niece, Adelina, I, I hope I said that right again, uh, who regarded Andrew as a father figure, died by suicide at 18 years old, um, as did her boyfriend, as a result from the loss of her uncle. Uh, so very tragic case that going into this series, you know, I, I did not know about this. So let's just paint the picture and move towards the property now away from the crime. This series, Web of Web of Make Believe, it is it dropped on Netflix. I think it was about maybe two weeks ago. And very interesting. I think this being the first episode was a very good way to start it because I think this episode really kind of grabbed my attention. And it being uh focused on first what was a gamer community and swatting and then turned into something I didn't even realize what was gonna happen was was a very unique way to start off off the series. So um before we uh jump into it, uh Zed, how did you what did you think about the episode and I mean in just like an overview of it? Yeah, I'd be curious about the context of the other episodes, which I haven't watched yet, mm-hmm. um, in terms of what the sort of like thesis of the series is, mm-hmm. um, because it was very clear in this episode that, you know, people doing what seemed like fairly mundane things very quickly turned into a violent episode and that mm-hmm. violence, depending on your perspective, was perpetrated by a militarized police force. Mm-hmm. Uh, they keep talking about, you know, who actually pulled the trigger, but also the series of events that led up to that trigger being pulled. Um, and it is not the person who pulled the trigger that saw, uh, saw any consequences for sure. the results of that action. So it's very interesting to me to look at like the toxicity in online communities, the societies mm-hmm. that foster those communities, including the mm-hmm. way that people feel excluded in their like daily lives offline. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it would be really interesting to dive into that more. And I'm curious if the series will get into that at all, or if it's just focused on sort of the, the outcomes of those things. We will be talking about some of the other episodes uh, after we go over this property. So we will have a lot of answers for those questions. Sarah, how about you? I will tip my hand now. I thought this was a great episode from a production point of view. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the setup, the way the story was told, uh, step mm-hmm. by step the revelations and the moment about halfway through where uh, one of uh, the uh, talking heads says, well, it's all very well uh, until somebody dies. And then there's a moment's a moment's silence. And we, we realize that we're about to see how that is going to come about. Uh, I I had heard of swatting. I had not heard of this case. Right. The, the gamer world is 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 a mystery to me in terms of I haven't done it. It's not a mystery. I mean, mm-hmm. I I consume pop culture, so I I have an awareness of it. Uh, the language uh, and the way that the gamers were portrayed, speaking to each other, or this this type of uh, language was it's quite violent to see it. It's not that I was unaware of it. Um, mm-hmm. Is this? I mean, you 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 game said what's what's your experience of this kind of toxicity? You call it. Uh, basically nothing because I don't tend to play these online games. I don't play competitive games. I play my pure little story oriented RPGs in my own little world with my little fantasy characters. Um, I am not going around shooting anyone, any avatar of real people or otherwise. Even the one MMO massive multiplayer online game that I play is Final Fantasy 14 and there is little to no player versus player combat. Uh, so you're not uh-huh. hopefully going to be angering anybody beyond, you know, making a mistake for your team, but you're not going to be killing anybody's character and certainly not any sort of permanent sense, which I think can happen in these games where like all this stuff that you've built up and worked towards over a long period of time, I think if your character dies can be like completely lost and you have to start mm. over. So I can understand that feeling of frustration, I cannot understand taking that off of the computer into the 
into the world. Well, she yeah. and Jessica so, and Casey Viner were playing together on Call of mm-hmm. Duty and uh, Shane makes a mistake and kills uh, Casey's character. I hadn't yeah. thought about the fact that it might be a permanent character that now he has to build up again, but they do highlight the dollar fifty bit that was lost because, and they were supposed to be playing together, so I think that's that's another kind of dig in to, to what happened here. Like, dude, I'll vent well, the dollar fifty. <laughs> <laughs> well, Call of Duty isn't one of those those type of games. Um, but uh, let's just kind of start with the opening of the, of this episode. So in the opening of this episode, we kind of get we well we first get Tyler Barris, uh, the the person, the swatter himself, on the phone with I think it is Brian Krebs. He's on the phone with an independent investigative reporter. And Brian, the first thing he asked him is, how did you get into swatting? And Tyler tells him, like, um, I was swatted myself. Like, he was swatted he, at, at you know, like, at midnight. The uh, police rolled up to his house. Um, he said it was so bright. There was a helicopter and that he, like, walked to the door, opened the door. And, and you know, there was just all these police everywhere. And he said he thought it was cool. Like, he thought it was the coolest thing that this guy could do that. And all this response would happen. and. It was very interesting to hear him, you know, thinking, being on, even being on the other end of being swatted and thinking like it's the coolest thing he's ever witnessed. It's really odd response to that. But the guy had pretended to be a woman held hostage in Tyler's house. And so um, that's how that's how it started. And so we get Tyler and Brian talking throughout the rest of the property, um, kind of going along on, on Tyler's journey. So Tyler, we, we learn from his friend who's another talking head. Uh, her name is just Jane Doe. She's a former friend of Tyler. She talks about how they met in the seventh grade. He was her first boyfriend, all this other stuff. And we just get Tyler's backstory of how he basically immersed himself in Halo. He was a big Halo player um, and how his, his dad, I think his dad died his mom ran off to Vegas without him and he was basically raised by his grandma but with little to no supervision so he just dedicated his life to the online gaming world and then on top of that like Sarah said we got we got a montage of people swat like being swatted like online streamers uh, streaming something and people in the chats would swap them so that they could see it live online or people would be on gaming tournaments and they'd lose the gaming tournament and so they would um, then call the SWAT on the person they lost to. Like it, it was really like the whole opening kind of tries to set the scene from, for the gaming world and um, it's, it's a very bleak picture to begin with. I, I did get the impression. I mean, I, I think this is a this is a very uh, interesting way to start. It must be said, and I think let's um, uh, let me speak about the elephant in the room. There are recreations. We are yeah. a staunch no recreation oh, yeah. podcast. <laughs> However, this is the best use of recreations that that I've seen. But the the gamers being swatted live is all real. Real. And there's a particularly yeah. interesting one where where they're English, and one of them says, "Oh, that's not very good." And then the police, the policeman, the Bobby leans in and says, "You have been wasting police time." And I thought, "Well, he's right," but it just mm-hmm. they sound very sort of outraged and polite about the whole thing. Yeah, um, I was going to say that was the politest one. Like the <laughs> all the other ones was like the police busted in and and um, putting them on the the floor with guns pointed at them. Yeah, I, I, they don't make a big feature of this, but it did feel like a slice of that world. Not that the program is showing it as the whole world. Um, what mm-hmm. do you think? Um, well, I know that my, my husband, when, when we were like, when we first got together years and years ago, he too, he's a gamer. So he, he is a gamer still currently. Um, he used to listen to the online. He used to do the online gaming and have the headset on. And, but by the time we, he was just like, no, he, he stopped because it, not only do you get, uh, people, you know, being mad and cussing, it's like a lot of always racial slurs. You know, my husband is black. So it's a lot of racial slurs thrown at you if they know you're black and, or even if they don't, like it's just, it's just not. You know, you get it if if you if you haven't watched this property, you'll get the gist of it from that from that montage of what it is. And you know, slowly, 
I think they kind of hinted at it, but slowly the gaming culture has been taken over by like, you know, right wing and, and white nationalist style parties. And again, that doesn't mean that all gamers are bad or anything like that. It just means that a, a certain subsection seems to be taken over to the point where it's running other people out and to the point where it's like, that is the overall thought that you get from gamers because now that's what it seems is being mostly represented. So I think they did a pretty good uh, uh, job setting the scene here for us. And then we get more of Tyler. So Tyler starts swatting. He starts calling in bomb threats to school. That's what he starts doing first. He said he gets a rush from seeing like buildings evacuated. Um, he, he eventually gets caught because he evacuates a news building like live on air. He's like so happy that they're, uh, you know, evacuating live. His grandmother turns him in. Oh, yeah. Granny. Yeah. <laughs> and he ends up spending 16 months in jail, which that's a that's a pretty good sentence for, you know, he should have stopped. Like, you know, what I'm saying like that's a pretty good sentence for for the initial bomb threats. But of course, he, he didn't stop. He he started living in homeless shelters, balancing around. And then he starts going online and using Twitter to actually get paid to swat people. So um, he's having people um, pay him to, to start swatting their targets. And he just talks about how he has a rush from from the swatting. And then we get into the Call of Duty bet. A hundred, like, not even like a dollar fifty. A dollar fifty bet on Call of Duty leads Casey to contact Tyler in order to to swat Shane. But Shane then uh, taunts Tyler, I think it is, and gives him an address, but it's his old address. And this is where we get into the what I will say, I don't, I don't, the, the big crime of all of this. And like we said, um, the SWAT arrives at the address. And unfortunately, the police officer shoots 28 year old Andrew uh, Finch seven seconds after they get there. Seven seconds after they get there, Andrew Finch opens, the, well, Andrew Finch opens the door seven seconds from arriving. One shot rings out, it hits him. And due to him not receiving any medical attention because they felt like they had to secure the, pr- the premises first before they gave him any medic- medical attention, he dies there in his front door. The so, ambulance was on scene and the police officers held back the paramedics. Exactly this. And it's just very frustrating. Um, Zed, would you want to talk about the swatting itself or like swatting as a tool? itself or police take take it away for a second oh here. Oh I know <laughs> I mean here's a big ass. It's it's pointed out in the in the episode, like for all they knew that was a hostage opening the door. It is not at all unheard of in a hostage right. situation to send them out first as bait, basically in case this exact thing happens. True. In no world is the the hostage holder going to walk out the door and just be like hey um, <laughs> right like and it and it is you know they have no protocol or training that says okay the second someone opens the door shoot them but there is also no happens. consequence for doing that so yeah. shoot first ask questions later but you can't cuz they're dead is sort of the the way that the police department operates Operating and they do it. get into how the Wichita PD in particular yes. uh has a has an extremely bad rate like 11 times the national average yes. of like officer shooting deaths per populace or like compared to uh, mm-hmm. interactions with the public, I think. Yes. Um, and they're very tight-lipped about who the officers are involved in those interactions, extremely protective of their force, even where murder is involved. Yes. Yeah, so what we get here is I, the one thing I kind of want to just touch on for swatting, like using using the police as a tool of intimidation is like it goes so far back centuries. Yeah, centuries, that's what they're made for. <laughs> exactly. The The police were originally created as slave catchers. They've originally been tools for the force of government to help keep the people in line. You know, that protect and serve 
stuff came a little bit later and it's already been said that they don't have to, they don't have a, a duty to do that for you. Yeah, um, who so, do you protect is is the question. And if you go to a protest, what who are the cops protecting? Not the people protesting, they're protecting the property in the vicinity of the people doing that protesting. Exactly. So uh, that's why I get really upset with with Tyler and and how flippant he is, even before this, about just being like, yeah, I'm going to send the police to to your house. Like, it's the reason why, you know, all of the Karen videos uh, over the last two years have incited such um, like vitriol. It's because using the police or 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 using your power to get the police to exert their power on somebody else, especially in marginalized communities, can end like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't always end like this because, I mean, Tyler did, they, they said he did like hundreds of swattings, you know. For $20 far. a pop, he was charging $20. if he knew you, $50 if he didn't know you. Right. So for all we know, this could have been the only one or this there could be multiple times he swatted somebody and it ended up um, in a situation where somebody was hurt or, or, or killed. So just using the police as that tool in itself is so disgusting and so infuriating, but then to then get to a, the point where the police officer shoots and kills a man in his own front door for it being so unconnected to what's actually going on. Like, again, this, these people were just at home. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We have uh, the Finch family. We have Andrew's mother, Lisa, Mm -hmm. his nephew, Francis. We had his niece. No, no. The only two people that we actually talked to was his nephew, Francis, and his mother, Lisa. Right. Right. Okay. Thank you. Okay. But the Finch family themselves were comprised of Andrew, uh, Adelina, Francis, and Lisa. Okay. Well, two two of them are unfortunately no longer with us. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Francis and Adelina's mom died in a car crash when they were very young and yes. Andrew ended up taking over the role of being their father figure, even though I think he was only like 16. Yeah, yeah. he was a teenager. Yeah. Yep. 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 So he, he meant everything to the, to, to the two of them, his, his niece and his nephew. And we, they just set the scene. I feel like, was it, was it his, was that his, I thought his dad was there too. Was it was it his dad or something? It was a family friend. It was a family friend. Okay. Present at the time. Was a, Present was at a the time. Friend. Yeah, he was yeah. in the house when it happened. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just don't have a lovely secret. meal. He makes a point about the meal yeah. that um, that, that uh, Lisa had made them. Yeah. Yeah. This family was just chilling at home, watching TV or doing whatever, eating dinner, and then the police descend upon their their house and kill their their family member right in front of them on just a regular day like that's how like that that part just really like pissed me off because you're you're just not you're minding your own business and then this happens and then when they start to unravel that it was because two gamers were fighting over a dollar fifty and then reached out to a swatter and then this is where it comes to and the police officer himself, because of uh, the laws in Kansas, the police department do not release the names of the officers and officers involved shooting. So we did get an, another journalist. So Miko Hayes, another journalist, he, he, along with the family, they're trying to get the, the name of the police officer released so that he can face some sort of, of uh, charges or, you know, consequences anything they find out that the police officer in question's name is justin rap and he had uh, at least about a dozen um use of force uh reports and not only that i think didn't they say he had like he also had shot like two other people or something to that effect yeah and th- th- he was involved in a couple other officer involved shootings i believe prior to this occasion and that's extremely common across american police forces mm-hmm. that officers when they finally do get caught whether there are consequences or not when they finally do uh get you know connected with a uh, an action that they do 
there is almost always like a very long history of that kind of behavior yeah. is already evident. And there is a paper mm-hmm. trail somewhere, even if it's not public. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to go down the tiniest bit of a rabbit hole, this is a, a law that we worked really hard in New York in 2020 to strike down our particular like secrecy law, which was 50A, and it repealed uh, the protection of police records so that people, the public could actually see that history. Mm. Um, and the police are still fighting tooth and nail to make sure that that doesn't happen because they don't want their records out there of all of the misconduct that has happened over the course of the years because they don't face consequences for it. They may get shifted to another police department department at most, um, but it is extremely difficult for a police officer to lose their job. Wow. Yeah. Um, And like Zed had mentioned, the national average for police shootings is one for every 1300 officers in this specific uh, Wichita jurisdiction. It was one for every 120 officers. So clearly there's something already going on. And And also Justin uh, Justin Rapp is Mm ex-military. Just, which is very common also. Yeah. 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 And I mean, there were uh, 12 police officers there that night that were at that swatting. And he was the only one who fired a shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, that should even tell you that the, the officers there accompanied him didn't, didn't think to, to shoot at the moment that he shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it was him. He was the one who, who pulled the trigger on this man and, and took, this, took this man's life. <sighs> He did say that Andrew gestured towards his waistband. Um, we do have body cam footage, but it's 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 you know very unclear. Very hard to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't was know. Sixty-seven yards away. He was sixty-seven mm-hmm. yards away from. Um, oh well, feet sixty-seven feet away from Andrew when he shot Andrew. So, if I'm if the police are outside my door. And I open the door and put my hands in the air. I don't know if I'm moving them at all. I mean, obviously, that's that, what I think and what actually happened are vastly different things. But I think that even the phrase, and I think just sort of lensing back when we do hear about these bad actions by police officers, they often will repeat and use the same language as each other. You know, I feared for my life, mm-hmm. I gestured towards his waistband. Uh, these are phrases that we've heard before. It's as if they've been codified now to these are my my literally get out of jail free card uh, phrases. Yeah. It's also and, and, very often the case that they don't talk to officers involved in these sort of things until the day after. They give them time to go home and collect their thoughts and like compose themselves, which is mm-hmm. not a right given to any witness involved in any case ever. They're immediately taken to the station and deposed, that's not quite the right word, uh, interrogated Mm -hmm. um, immediately, even if they're in a state of shock, having clearly just experienced a trauma. uh, There's no time to collect your thoughts or think about what you're going to say. It's it's like a now or never situation. Or maybe talk to your fellow officers who were there, get your stories. Corroborate your stories. I mean, they, they take the whole family, the mother, Lisa, the niece and nephew, Francis and Adelina, and the family friend, all are handcuffed and taken to the police station and interrogated. Uh, Adelina in particular being forced to step over her uncle's uh, body as she leaves the house. Yes. And like because of this too, Lisa decides to make sure that uh, Andrew's death is not in vain. She starts to protest. Like, she teamed up like Miko Hayes, a journalist, did end up figuring out Justin Rapp's name. They then um, advocated for uh, some consequences for him. And like he said, they they reviewed the footage. They said that uh, he had gestured towards his waistband, even though they showed it to us and I did not see it much of a gesture. Right. Um, but they basically said that they would not be disciplining Officer Rapp and that he I don't even think I don't even think it was a slap on the wrist. I think they no, there was no, no, slap no on the nothing wrist. happened. Nothing yeah, happened. Nothing to bring charges. You know, it didn't even absolutely. Go to they were like, no, we're not even gonna, we're not nothing. even gonna have a trial, let alone exonerate him through a trial. Exactly. This may be. This may be. This is not something that other people haven't said, and it may be naive of me. But if you're, uh, a, I mean, he is obviously a, a good marksman. 
How do you shoot someone in the thigh? I mean, if you can shoot that well, shoot them in the foot, shoot them in the leg, shoot them in the hand. Um, I would just like to not just, shoot anybody. How about that? Yeah, no. <laughs> just like, yeah that's, that's, that's an even better idea. There's never, there's never this examination <laughs> at all of this kind of uh, response. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's it, uh, so enraging, so enraging. Yeah, you, to incapacitate as opposed to. Yeah, yeah, but let's, as you say, uh, even better point. Let's not shoot. Let's not shoot mm-hmm. people. There's always the defense that these heavily armed, heavily armored officers mm-hmm. who are in a group of people with cars, with metal, with shields, with riot gear, helmets, all these things. And a SWAT team is not just a regular, you know, police squad. That's like, that's special yeah. forces, mm-hmm. uh, special weapons and tactics. I think that's what SWAT stands for. Yeah. Um, and they're fearing for their lives from a single person who, even if they are armed, is not going to be the threat that they all are, and in most cases, is not armed to begin with. So I just find that defense so hard to believe in literally any circumstance when you look at, you know, one side of the scale versus the other. Yeah, exactly. And the, li- and the lights in the face. I mean, they have lit up the the front of the house like Christmas. So Andrew or whoever the person is that you are fearing is anyway. staring, staring into the sun, basically. Yeah. Um, the Finch family is completely devastated. They lose Andrew. And like you say, they also also lose Adelina and her boyfriend because they uh, complete suicide. And then their nephew, Francis, also suffers from suicidal ideation. But he actually says that playing video games actually helps him. But uh, we'll get to updates of the crime for the Finch family. Back over to Tyler Barris. Again, he uh, was charged with 20, 20 years. Okay, he gets 20 years for cyber stalking resulting in death and conspiracy to make false reports. And Tyler continues to go on like he was on like uh, Team Stars uh, YouTube trying to defend himself saying like, who do you blame? Do you blame the person who made the SWAT call? Do you blame the person who egged me on to make the SWAT call? Do you do you blame the person who gave the wrong address? Or do you blame, blame the cop that pulled the trigger? And here, at least from the justice point of view, they blamed him for making the call because he got the 20 years. Casey, uh, again, got 15 months in prison. Um, and then Shane got a thousand dollars. So, um, let's move on to the updates to the crime. Sarah, can you? Um, yeah. Uh-huh. So Tyler's expected to be released in January 2035, uh, and Ooh. then he'll be under supervision for five years. I mean, the, the family certainly thinks this is a reasonable punishment. Uh-huh. I think it's the disproportion of the punishment that is really stark. So Tyler, Tyler uh-huh. got uh, 20 years. Casey Biner has been released. He was re- released in November 2020. He served his 15 months and he will be finishing his two years community service at the end of the year. Shane yeah. Gaskell's interesting. He was able to um, escape prosecution by paying his $1,000, but there were, it was called diversion of prosecution. So it's, it, there's a record, but he doesn't get prosecuted. He had a deal. I don't know mm-hmm. the details of the deal, but he violated them. So now they have had him in court. He uh, Last month, he pled guilty to wire fraud, and he will be sentenced next month in July, and he faces up to 20 years in prison. So whatever the violation was, it could be worth up to 20 years for that young man. So he, he was the one that seemed least affected with the $1,000 fine, but may end up uh, with 20 years. Um, the Kansas District Attorney ruled that Justin Rapp acted reasonably uh. and no charges were laid. Uh, at the time of the making of this uh, property, uh, there was not, not even a slap on the wrist. There still hasn't been a slap on the wrist, but he has been taken off the streets and given administrative duty, which was not uh. the case uh, uh, during the the program, they tell us he was still on active duty. So I'm not sure if you acted reasonably. Why are you being punished? Well, I mean that's their go-to. They're at, it's, they put him on administrative duty. You didn't do anything months, wrong. You and didn't then do they anything put wrong. it back on. 
but you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Finch family filed a $25 million wrongful death suit. It's currently under appeal uh, because it's very odd. Again, the district court ruled RAP did not have qualified immunity. And uh, Zed, I think you can talk to that a little bit about cops and their qualified immunity. So he didn't have that, but rejected the family's suit. And the oh. MacArthur Justice um, Centre has written in the um, in the appeal, and I quote, Andrew was unarmed. The police were at his house because of a 911 call that turned out to be a prank. Officer Justin Rapp shot and killed Andrew less than 10 seconds after he walked out of his front door. And Andrew's killing was one of 23 police shootings in the city of Wichita over the preceding five years. 23 people, none of which were meaningfully investigated and none of which resulted in meaningful discipline for the officers involved. Wow. Yeah, so just to speak briefly about qualified immunity, which is another thing that was talked about a lot uh, in the protests of 2020. Qualified immunity is this idea that if if this sort of case has happened before and an officer was found not guilty of that thing, then other police officers also cannot be found guilty of that same action. Uh, so it's a little bit like um, double jeopardy for for all cops based on anything that happens with one officer. No other officer can then be tried for that same crime, even if it's Uh a different set of circumstances with different people. Uh, So that is something that has been, people have been working on to overturn also. It's not particularly a rule. It's just sort of a legal doctrine that people operate under, but that really leaves law enforcement to, to behave with impunity because they're generally not consequent because even when they get tried they're almost never found guilty and therefore you can't really you know convict them of crimes uh-huh. uh, yeah that's that's infuriating but that's why you know that you'd probably know but that's why local lo- um, staying involved locally um, and knowing who your representatives are who your your judges are if you're voting for your DA stay stay very informed about how you can how you can help and affect change that way. Yeah, DA and sheriff's races are particularly important because those are the people who are going to decide what crimes to prosecute. Um, laws can be whatever laws are, but if you have a progressive DA who doesn't think that law is fair, they can choose not to prosecute those cases. Uh, and very often DAs run unopposed because people aren't paying enough attention. Um, mm. So that is something to, to keep an eye on for sure. For those of you survivor listeners out there, uh, Eliza Mm-hmm. Orleans did indeed run for DA here in New York. She did not win in that election, but it did get a lot more eyes on that race and get a lot more people thinking about those sorts of those sorts of um, elected offices. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, Zed. Um, before we get into our magnifying glass ratings, let's briefly touch on the series as a whole. So to answer like one of your questions, Zed, like about like the follow up of some of these these episodes, I I, want to talk about episode three. So let me just let me let me give you all of the the titles here. So episode one is Death by SWAT. Episode two, A Murder in D.C. Uh, Episode three is I'm Not a Nazi. Episode four is Sextortion. And then um, episode five and six are uh, The Stingray Part One and Part Two, respectively. So for I Am Not a Nazi, it follows this woman. She is giving her like straight to camera, like she's telling her story about how she uh, eventually ended up for about a year, almost a year and a half, was a part of a, a a right-wing uh, alt-right group called uh, Identi- Identity Europa and how she yeah how she Yikes. slowly yeah became a, a, a Nazi and I think you would you'd really like I think you'd find it interesting because it was a very interesting episode because she's talking to us she's telling us how she 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 talks about how she didn't have those type of beliefs until she met this guy and this guy 
after a while of them dating her, falling in love with him, he tells her, well, I'm a fascist and any woman that wants to be with me, she needs to be one as well. And he gives her all these resources and it talks about like the radicalization of the alt-right using 4chan and, and anything you know, you know. <laughs> she, yeah, I know. Yeah. She was on these websites and to, until the point where she ended up joining that group, Identity Europa. Not only that, but rising in the ranks. It it was very, very interesting. And um, before I say how it ends, Sarah, uh, did you were, you were you able to watch this one? Yes, it's fascinating, repellent. Yeah, things that I knew, but also things that I didn't know. Because it's from her point of view, she's very mm-hmm. open. She she explains. She doesn't excuse herself, which I think is is pretty brave. But the idea of how it's I mean it's a cult basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, how you are drawn in. I mean nobody joins a cult. Uh, they just mm-hmm. find themselves in one eventually. Because like <laughs> a cult, when yeah. she wants to get out, uh, she fears for her life uh, of of leaving because she was so far in. She was the women's leader. She was mm-hmm. interviewing other women. You have to be interviewed and pass uh, tests to join. And then it was the march in um, the Charlottesville, Charlottesville, Virginia. So the Uni- Unite the Right rally was when she actually uh, decided to try and escape because yes. um, she had she said that was the, one of the tipping points that made her realize that this is not just ideas or anything. A woman died and um, she decided to escape thereafter. She contacted a journalist who helped her and then there's a there's a group well, what is it? Life After Hate I think it is, Sarah? Yes, love, think love after hate. Hate. Yeah. 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 And so it's a very interesting story. I think she does do a good job of saying like she's like, I, I asked myself, was I the victim or was I a villain? And she says, Some, I, I believe that I was both. And now today I try and work to be neither. It was very interesting for me because I don't know. Like, I love that. I love that she was brave. I'm glad that she told her story. But it's it's just really hard for me to be like, oh, you just slipped and fell into Nazis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I, I like it. It's like I, tr- I try to be empathetic, but I like those. I, you feel like those I- ideas have to be somewhere there, at least. And then I think it's kind of funny. They talk about how her grandma was originally a Nazi. <laughs> so like, it's very, very interesting. I mean, we have to we have to be careful with with um, Hitler Youth. I mean, they were compelled. Yes, exactly, exactly. But they were compelled within a society that allowed this to be the thing that happened. So, yeah, yeah. Zed, does that sound like one you you check out? <laughs> oh boy, I don't know if I have the uh, emotional availability exactly. for that right now. <laughs> And that is what I will say about this entire series. Like, I, when I give my magnifying glass ratings about this series, I'm going to have to try and separate the emotions that this series kind of induces because it really just pisses you off, to be quite honest. Like, every single one of the episodes are just talking about the dregs, the absolute dregs of the internet. And it's so hard not to get highly upset about the subject matter itself but i i do think the property does a great job of explaining each every one of them the episode four sextortion actually talks about a a hacker who would hack into girls high school age girls facebook's right at the time where facebook was becoming big around 2011 and he would hack into their facebook's and extort them sextort them and say like if you want your your Facebook back, you have to send me nude pictures. And he would, he would hack into their Facebooks, their emails. And if they had already sent nude pictures to like other people, their, you know, their ex-boyfriends and stuff, he would then take the ones to show them, I, Hey, I can send this to your whole entire address book. So send me new ones. And that one was really sad and infuriating and come to find out. Oh, sorry. I should have said these are spoilers. But um, <laughs> yeah, but I'll leave yes. it at that. Yes, yeah. I mean the interesting thing about uh, all of the episodes. One of the themes in it is the technology racing ahead of uh, law enforcement's ability to track the technology, use the technology. Very I mean, true. we hear that the that the FBI didn't have emails till really late. 
They didn't know what emails were. They didn't know what the internet was and so on. I think that for me, the Stingray, I mean, I think they're all very good, just to spoil mm-hmm. my, my opinion. But the Stingray part one and part two, which are the last two episodes, five and six, is very interesting. It involves the criminal themselves bringing light to bad actions by government and bringing about uh, changes in legislation from inside his holding cell as he awaits trial. He's decided to be his own lawyer and Mm. because of his uh, technical savvy, I don't want to spoil it, but because of his technical savvy, he thinks, well, how did they know I was using an air card? And then he just thinks and gets all the discovery and figures out something extremely sinister that's going on in, I would say, your country potentially my country as well, and a piece of equipment that is um, uh, unconstitutional and has therefore, through his actions, uh, brought up some, uh, brought light to it, and he is now, uh, has been released. They said, oh, how would you like to just go with time served and we won't even charge you? And he said, yeah, that sounds good. Um, (laughs) And and he now works with uh, civil liberties. So that's one that uh, will enrage you, but in a different way and in a very satisfying way. Yeah. And then finally, A Murder in D.C. episode two, which was probably my least favorite episode. Yeah, mine too. Uh, Yeah, it talks about the death of Seth Rich and basically how his death was propagated, like the the, how the conspiracy theories surrounding his death were like propagated by like Fox News media and and all of that stuff. I mean, it was a journalist. Yeah, the politician, lobbyist, the lobbyist. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was part of the the Democratic campaign. Yeah, okay, yeah, I remember HRC. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one that they that they all blew out of proportion. The only interesting thing about this episode, which I did not know, he was um he was murdered in the like the neighborhood that I used to live in when I when I went to Howard. We lived there from. 20 what was it 2010 to 2012 and his murder occurred in 2016 and it was really kind of interesting like they even on the recreation Sarah like uh on their recreation where they're kind of like walking up the street you can see my house like my old house on that on the street like where we live me and my friends like lived for our last two years of college yeah and I was like oh my god look that's our house it was weird but the, them trying to, it, it was kind of weird because they were kind of saying like, oh, that area has a lot of crime. I'm like, that area does not have a lot of crime. It didn't have a lot of crime when we were there. It definitely didn't have a lot of crime now since it's been completely gentrified. So I was kind of like, y'all, it, it seemed like that's one of those cases that could have been solvable if they had focused on trying to solve the case as opposed to connecting him with WikiLeaks and saying that he was executed by shadowy figures and stuff like that. So yeah, not as interesting as the rest of the other stuff. Well, not as it wasn't something that I didn't know, you know, conspiracy theorists going to conspiracy. Rice is going to make, is going to lie bald facedly and, and face no consequences. So yes, uh, um, it was, it was way down on my list uh, considering how much I enjoyed the other episodes. Exactly that. All right. Uh, okay. So, Zed, what are you going to rate a web of make believe? Death by SWAT. The range is uh, one to five magnifying glasses. What do you think? I would say probably a four because what I will give them credit for is that they do not, in any way, shape, or form, make the police the hero of this story and very much point out. The ways the the ways in which things shady business went down when it came to their side of the operation, and they they point to the disproportionate consequences and lack thereof in the in the results of this case. Reenactments are always tough, and so I'm knocking some point off for that. Uh, but I think it's valuable to bring some attention to this kind of behavior and the results that it can have because it's something that still exists clearly to this day as this case is really not fully resolved at this point. Yeah. 
I agree. And uh, now that you mention it, Zed, the whole series kind of does a good job of pointing out when the police fail. During the sextortion one, they po- they point out how the North Carolina police didn't help one of the victims before it, the case actually did um, finally get some traction and, and the police did manage to end the sextortion. Um, they point out in the Nazi episode how the, the police and the FBI, um, the rise of how the alt-right were able to take over internet spaces and the FBI did absolutely nothing about it and how the domestic terrorist groups that are within that fall under that alt-right umbrella were, are given way more latitude than say at the same time, you know, Muslim groups, how after, right after uh, 9-11, they, de- they declared uh, Muslim groups and radicalized Muslim groups the number one terror threat to America while letting these alt-right neo-Nazis rise. So I think overall they do do a pretty good job of um and in uh, this in the stingray they're they're staking out our our not our hero but our main character uh they know he's going to collect a parcel from a kinko's they're ready to follow him once he picks it up and here the is the apotheosis of the reenactments because they do not expect that he's actually going to run up to the train station and hop on a train. And so we have this wonderful reenactment of the four <laughs> officers <laughs> plain clothes running up and standing flat footed as the train pulls away. And one of the talking heads does admit, well, it's LA. We just assumed he was going to have a car. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think they do a pretty good job. So Zed gave it four. Sarah, what do you rate the series? What do you rate this episode and then the series as a whole? I'm going to give the series as a whole four. I think it's very good, episode two notwithstanding. I think the use of reenactments is the best we've seen. It's the best it can be. And Mm -hmm. because they identify an actor with a talking head, so we know who that person is supposed to be, rather than it being shadowy, they're showing it in a very filmic way. I actually thought that was very effective. Uh, Death by Swat, I'm going to give four and a half, is extremely good as a product and uh, the stingray i'm going to give a perfect five to and what about you mari nice i will give the series as a whole again i have to really separate my feelings but i i agree i think the the whole series is done incredibly well the the production of it is done incredibly well i think they picked really good cases again it definitely feels like let me also say it's not it doesn't feel objective like this this doesn't feel objective it definitely feels like it's trying to get its case across that there are seedy underlying groups that are in the web and that the internet is not the greatest place in the world um, so I, it's it's not objective so if you're trying if you're looking for an objective place here and you can also <laughs> kind of say maybe maybe a stingray withstanding but it does feel like it's very progressive leaning or very um liberal leaning this series which is fine with me because i think that's what they wanted to do they want to make you aware of some of these very radical cases and they they want to make you pissed off in order to you know act so i just want to throw that out there to people like i i don't think it's as objective as it might seem originally but i think i'd give it a four i I would give the whole series a four as well i'll probably give this episode maybe a 3.5 just because i i don't think it's as good as i i don't think it's as good as some of the other stuff that we've watched and i think it was like i think it's just kind of it reminds me of like a a a id discovery style show it's just like a one the one-off style shows you know so those don't really get the upper echelon to me but um i i think this is i think it's really good though i hope that didn't wasn't confused <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> all right let's move on to our recommendations uh zed what do you have to recommend to our listeners yeah i want to recommend um one of my favorite true crime things uh the podcast is not currently active but there is a huge backlog of criminal broads podcast about wild women on the wrong side of the law. Um, it is hosted by Tori Telfer, who has written two books. Um, one is called Lady Killers, and the second is called Confident Women. Uh, so Ooh. if you are interested in true crime and perhaps also interested in not just hearing a bunch of bo- about a bunch of boring white dudes, um, <laughs> I highly recommend Criminal Broads. 
podcast and I haven't read her books yet, but I've heard her reference them a lot in the podcast. And I am sure those are both excellent as well. If you're looking for more true crime uh, in your life. Awesome. Uh, what about you, Sarah? Oh, I'm going to uh, recommend a two-part documentary on Peacock. It's called Perfect World, A Deadly Game, uh, which is also in the gaming world. It's uh, thoughtful, uh, but horrifying uh, story mm-hmm. of a group of gamers who know each other very well, and then one of them claims that he is slowly slowly over an afternoon and evening, uh, killing four members of his family and whether this is true and what they can do about it and how they don't know where he is or who he is. So it's the real citizen sleuth. They managed to figure mm-hmm. out who this person is and where he is. And uh, it's, it's a very sad, rather than sensational, it's just very sad. It's very yeah. sad. It's very well made. Mm-hmm. Uh, they I do agree. show us the crime scene photos a few well not the crime scene photos his images of his dead relatives even though the faces are blurred they do show it a few too many times for my stomach mm, but mm-hmm. i feel that the the attitude of the filmmaker is not sensational it's it's i'm sad i suppose is the word but yeah. it's very well made and i do i do recommend it and that's on peacock I agree. It's one of those things. If you like Don't Fuck With Cats, you would like a perfect role because it's, yeah. it's very that same that same vein. They talk to the people who were trying to break the case as it was going, who are all his gamer friends, who are all very young. So, um, yes, yes, very good. Startless, startlingly young. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the ones who say, oh, I go on to troll because trolling is funny. Uh, and then what changes for them? during this is, is very interesting. Uh, what about you, Mary? What recommendations do you have? So <laughs> I always, I always change my, my recommendations like mid podcast. Cause I, I remember <laughs> things in the middle. So, uh, <laughs> that was talking about like historical, um, style, like crimes and how they impact the law and stuff like that. It made me think of one of my favorite, uh, historical history based, I, I would call it a, a true crime podcast. It's called uh, Noble Blood, um, and it's um, it's one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to. And it's based on like it's all history, so it's based on like royalty and like you know murders or like you know uh, dukes and duchesses you know getting married and then somebody gets murdered or, or like it's all sorts of weird things they talk about like the mad king george and for an episode and it, it's just one episode bites like 45 minutes of history some weird thing that's happened to some noble person and if you like history like i do if you're you're a history person i i love like world history and reading like historical fiction like if you're into the tutors and and stuff like that or or even like game of thrones and stuff like that if you love historical fiction then you'll love this podcast again it's called noble blood it's a mix of history and and true crime um and historical true crime so it's it's pretty it's pretty fun uh, a pretty fun listen that sounds awesome yeah, it's, as it's always, amazing. we'll we'll put all of these in the show notes, and you can uh, follow through uh, anything that interests you, you the listener. Yes, <laughs> at Crime Scene, we are eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene R H A P. That's Crime S E E N R H A P on Twitter, or you can email us at Crime Scene R H A P at gmail dot com. Uh, Zed, what do you have going on? Where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me at Hard Rock Hope anywhere that I exist on the internet, including twitch.tv slash Hard Rock Hope, where I am playing generally non-violent video games <laughs> uh, and minding my own business. Yeah, that's twitch.tv slash Hard Rock Hope. You can hear me podcasting about video games, uh, specifically about Final Fantasy VII currently with Push Show Recaps patron Adam, who is playing the game for the first time. The oh, wow. student has become the master over on the Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. podcast. And if you are a post-show recaps patron, you can catch me talking about Harry Potter on a sort of weekly basis currently with Kevin Mahadeo and Melissa Woodward on the YA podcast in the post-show recaps patron feed. So those are all the things that I'm up to these days. Nice, nice. Okay, Sarah, where can the people find you? Uh, the people can find me at Sarah Carradine on Twitter. I'll put everything there that I'm doing. 
Recently, I was on the community building podcast on Poach Show Recaps. Always a good time. Uh, so have a listen over there and otherwise just follow me and see what I'm up to. What about you, Mari? Um, everybody can follow me on Twitter at Mari Talks Too Much. That's two like the number two. And you can catch me every week on the Wrestling Rehab Up podcast with the wonderful Matt Scott, where we break down the highlights of this week in wrestling across WWE, AEW, uh, everything. Go follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Rehab Up on Twitter. And of course, follow Matt Scott at Matt Scott GW um, so you can know whenever we are on and, and posting. Uh, you can also find me. I was on, um, I did a Naked and Afraid podcast a while back with Rob on RobHasAPodcast.com. So you can go to RobHasAWebsite.com slash subscribe. And you can subscribe to the made feed so that you can get um, access to not only our Naked and Afraid podcast, but um, Big Brother is coming up. The Challenge USA is coming up. So there's so much. Um, on there that you can subscribe to and and listen to. Uh, Sarah, what do we have coming up for next week? Next time on Crime Scene, we are covering the rather dark tale, Girl in the Picture with the amazing LaTonya Starks. Watch it on Netflix and send us your comments and questions. Thanks to Will from America for the theme music, Tricky Rice for the graphics, and Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. Until next time. Case, Case closed. closed. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.